Good morning. And to those who are watching online, hello. Could be good afternoon, could be good, good evening, or whatever. But it's great to uh, have everyone here at the service this morning. Um, so what, what I want to say to you this morning, I believe, is a word from God for us. Okay, I say that with all humility in the sense of, I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be, but I don't think I am. I don't think I am because, as I shared this with, I was on a prayer Zoom for the Ontario region this week, and um, Anita Roos was on there as well, and when I shared what, well, she asked if there's anything anyone else sensed that the Lord was saying, and just something just was stirring in my heart when I shared, said, I don't know if this does anything, and, and Anita said, gosh, that's just what God's speaking to the leadership of Canada, the Vineyard Canada right now. I go, okay. I file that under. That's interesting. <laughs> right? That's what I do. Anyway, we are in a series, and um, I think God wants to have the second to last word anyway. Well, he always wants the last word, but I think he, sometimes he hops in the driver's seat and takes this. So let's just begin. Let me pray first. Father, Lord, I just... We come before you because, Lord, you are, as we sang, you are a faithful God. Faithful. It's not that you're faithful just to us. You're faithful to all generations. All generations. There's been generations all down through history, Lord, that have proclaimed your, your faithfulness, your love for people, your love for this world. And, Lord, we are just another one of those generations that is speaking about your love and your greatness and your faithfulness. And so, Father, we thank you. And, Lord, we just ask you to have your way this morning. And I pray, Lord, that I'll say the words you want me to say and not say the words that you don't want me to say. And sprinkle that with grace, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it odd how things that I know are important in life, (laughs) I have a hard time practicing you know, things like um, spending time with family, right? That's important. But I can get so distracted from that. Uh, and like, I know it's important, you know, to, to be with my family and to hang out, right? And you hear of people when they come to the end of their life, they, oh, they wish they, you know, had spent more time with or done more of that. So we, we know the important things, but we have a, such a hard time with doing what is really, truly important, and what, what I find for myself is that I have this tendency to follow culture that tells me what it thinks I need to be doing with my life and with my time. <laughs> I hear it every day, all day, all the time, all the time. This is what you need to be doing. This is what you should be doing. And the message is subtle, but basically how I interpret the message from culture is that, Scott, you're not quite good enough, but here's what you should be doing to be really good, to be acceptable, right? And I buy into that. I buy into that. It doesn't lift me up. In fact, if anything, it just burdens me is what it does. It just burdens me. And yet I continue to uh, sit at what I call culture's table and eat their food. And uh, it's a bit baffling. And this pursuit of culture's acceptance also invades what I would say to you is the most important thing 
to understand, to grasp for your life. You can have other regrets. You don't want to have this regret, though. And I don't want to have this regret in my life. And that one thing is what I would say is called friendship with God. That is the most important thing, to have a friendship with God. And like any valuable friendship, it takes time. It means you're spending time with a person and enjoying their company. And you don't have to be doing things, but doing things is okay with your friend, but you don't have to be doing things. The joy you get from a friend is just being with them. Just being there, that is so important. And that's what, that's what friendship is. The beauty about friendship is, is that two people accept each other as is. They do. There's no staging involved. We stage our houses when we put them up for sale now. And if you've ever gone into an open house and seen it staged, it looks so awesome. But it's so fake. <laughs> like, where's the clutter? Like, seriously, how do you have such a clean place? It looks like I've just stepped into a showroom at Ikea or somewhere. <laughs> this isn't real. Where do you put your stuff? Well, you know where their stuff is. It's in a shipping container somewhere, or it's in some storage unit, right? <laughs> you, you know, you store it all, and they got two units rented out with all their stuff. But there's no staging with a real friendship. There's none. It's come as you are. If there's one thing I want you to leave with you today, it's this. And I want you to hear me. There is no better friend than God. I want you to hear that. There is no better friend than God. And I know that from my decades of being on this earth and learning that. And I remember the words of Jesus to his disciples and to us, to you. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So how do you become friends with God? Spend time with God, right? You hang out with God. You get to know the presence of God in your life. That God is a 24-7 friend. And what does it look like? It looks like any rich friendship. It's being together. It's talking. It's listening. It's going on walks. Right? It's that type of stuff. It's friend stuff. It's having that friend with you all the time. Now, what I'm describing there is what Scripture calls prayer. We've relegated prayer to a practice, to a ritual, to an activity we do, like it's this little sliver, I got to do it, sort of like when we have to, well, I should brush my teeth. <laughs> and we've relegated it to that, and it's not that at all. And when you understand that, you understand Paul's words when he says, pray without ceasing. <laughs> Don't stop praying. What that means is in your living and your doing and your sleeping and whatever you do, talk to God. Have God there. Just know God's presence is with you always, all the time. 
And the reason we're landing on prayer today, because the early church, they, they, after Jesus had ascended into heaven and they were now told to go into the world and, and, and give the good news that God loves you. Where do they start? And so they committed to four things. They committed to the apostles' teaching, the, the fellowship or the life together. They committed to the common meal. And finally, they committed to prayer. And there was a reason why or for that. But somehow we have lost our way. And like I said, we've made it into an activity and almost like it's the secret sauce to get God to pay attention to us. And here's the thing, the ancient, in ancient history, the nations that had other gods and stuff, they would invoke the God's name to get the God's attention that if they you know, jumped up and down enough or did whatever enough, the God would pay attention and they'd have blessing. Right? That's not God at all. That's not God at all, right? That's not what God does. I said to Tab, uh, I don't know if it was this week, Tab, or last week, I said, you know what? I think, I wonder if we've got it wrong about the fact that we have to invoke God's name to get God's attention. I wonder if what really is taking place is that God invokes our name to get our attention. I wonder if that's really what happens if God invokes my name, right? Right? I wonder if prayer is our response to God's invocation to us. That's what I wonder. Is that what it is? Like I said, friendship begins by talking to God as you would a friend. And the Gospels will give you a clear picture of this God in, in the life of his son, Jesus. You look at Jesus, and that's who God is. And you'll hear me say this over and over again. But if you wonder what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at the way he talked. Look at the way how he treated people. Look at what the messages he taught. That's the Father speaking to us. That's the God we worship and we long to be with. And the beauty is there's something that changes as we get to know God. And the thing about friends, when they get to know each other, there's this deep love that envelops. And what you, as you spend time with God, and that's not spending like what we call devotional time or quiet time, but just your day-to-day life, your, as I said, your, your eating and you're going to work and you're sleeping and, and all that stuff. You're spending time, you get to know who God is. It's then you come to realize this love that God has for you. And then that's when things begin to change, when you see the world differently, when you see life differently, when you can hear those little things God telling you, because you miss it otherwise, right? We miss it otherwise. And times with God just happens whenever. It can happen in the bathroom, for crying out loud, right? In the sh- How many times have you heard people share God speaking to them in the shower, Right? Think about it. And if we could all tally up individually, think of times when people have told us, or when you have heard God speak to you in the shower, what does that say about the shower? (laughs) Something unique there, right? And you come to learn that Jesus' promise to be with you always is actually true. That's why you can sense God. When you get to know God, you sense God everywhere everywhere. His promise, God's promise to us to be, I'll be with you is true. 
How many here have read The Shack? Okay, I want you to watch just a short video from that author, William Paul Young, and his take on this whole sense of God's love for us and what it means. So if we could play that video, that'd be great. You know, the the beauty of John 14 through 17, which I think is the center of the Bible, is that, yes, we've been included into this affection, whether we know it or not. This is not about asking Jesus into our lives. This is about beginning to understand that Jesus included us into his, into his relationship with the Father, into his relationship with the Holy Spirit. The flip side of that, according to John 14 through 17, is that Jesus comes to climb into our shacks and begin to heal us. But he doesn't come by himself. He says, I'm not coming by myself. I'm bringing the Father and the Spirit. And they climb into this. And God is not going to heal you apart from your participation. That's the respect that is given to you as a human being. That the respect that is due you says, we will move at the speed you're able. But I'm never giving up on you. The only time you see God run anywhere is when the object of his affection, his son, is coming down the road, burdened down by his own confession and repentance, and the father doesn't even allow it. Gets to him before he even is allowed to confess and repent, before he can fall apart. And he tells him the truth, because the son has been telling himself a lie. I'm not worthy. I'm not acceptable. Maybe if I apologize the right way, come up with the magic phrase. And the father says, no, you need to know the truth. You're mine. You were found in Jesus before you were ever lost in Adam. And and the old Adam was created inside because everything is by, for, through, and in Jesus. He didn't spin creation out there. It was created in him, and he sustains it. When he walks on this planet, he is the creator. When he died, everything died. When he rose, everything rose. It's that we have to begin to hear the truth, and that's the process of learning how to trust and believe. Our default is worthy. We matter. As an individual, we matter. And the one matters as much as the billion. Therefore, the end doesn't justify the means. How far does love go? As far as it takes. Love never stops, right? In terms of my relationship with my kids, how far does love go? There is no limit to this. There isn't any. And you can do anything you want. There is no limit to it. And if that means that I'm a consuming fire and I can burn out of my child the lie or the addiction, let me tell you, It's because I love them that I will be a consuming fire, not because they fail to live up to my expectations. Getting to that place only comes with hanging out with the God who longs to be your friend. Now you have to ask the question, why did the early church make prayer one of the central things that they would give their undivided attention to? 
Well, it stands to reason that if friendship with God is the epitome of, of, of the individual, it has to be as well for the church as a whole, for the community. It has to be. This, this being in love with God as friend has to be. And so they made it. They made it paramount for them as a church. Consider the fact that, that Scripture speaks about while God communes with individuals, God also communes with the, the collective whole as well. Because you see it as God speaks as a word to the nation Israel, right? God also speaks to, um, to the world. Look in John's gospel. What does Jesus say? For God so loves the world. It's this thing that God loves the community. God loves when people gather together. God loves to be there in that midst. Loves to do it. Loves to be there. And God loves the church, the gathered people. Did you know in Scripture there are only two comparisons that is made about the church? First one is the body of Christ. That oneness in the body, right? Paul talks about that many times, right? That we, that we are the body of Christ, that Christ is the head. And that we all are like a, you know, a finger or a toe or whatever, right, of that body. We are all different parts, but we are one. It speaks of oneness. And then the ultimate comparison that is made of the church and Jesus is marriage. This intimate relationship that we are to have with God. This closeness. Tab alluded, you know, referred to the Song of Songs. And, and while the Song of Songs is about that intimate physical relationship between two lovers as they prepare for marriage and that. And it's a beautiful book that's written, a beautiful wisdom book. I also believe it's a picture that wants to be given about Christ and the church that comes together. And, and Revelation talks about this consummation that'll happen. This, this oneness that will take place. This joy, this ultimate, right? The, the top of the summit, so to speak, right? And both descriptions, both comparisons are this oneness, body, and, and, and two lovers that come together. And God delights when the church takes time to delight in God. So does. When we allow God to love us back. When there is an exchange of love between the bridegroom and the bride. Here's a wisdom nugget for you. If you desire to live a life, a full life, make God your best friend. Dead serious. Make God your best friend. I can't say it any better than that. But here is where we need to get down to some nitty-gritty here. Did you know that the vineyard was birthed in a passionate love for Jesus? That was one of its distinguishing marks, was this passionate love for Jesus. And I'm not, don't, don't read into my language I'm using right now. That's past tense. But when it was birthed, that was one of its distinguishing hallmarks right there. 
I remember in the late 80s or 90s, I was at a Bible bookstore in Trenton, and I was just going through their tapes, and I came across a, uh, a vineyard music tape. And so I, I think it was like in the bargain bin, so I bought it. And, uh, and the only time, I'd never heard of the name Vineyard before, and the only time I had heard about it was when I read Keith Green's book, No Compromise. And in that book, he mentions Vineyard, and because Keith Green endorsed it, I thought, well, it's got to be good, because <laughs> I was a fan of Keith Green. And, uh, and, but there was something, as I listened to the music, there was something, though, and I couldn't put my finger on it. It's not that the music was fantastic or anything like that. It was nothing like that. It was, there was something that stirred in my heart, and there was, it was almost like my spirit came alive. And I, and I wasn't sure what it was. It wasn't, I couldn't put my finger on it exactly. But there was something that was just very attractive for me. I began to pursue that, whatever that was, that something that was going on. And eventually we became part of the vineyard when we moved down here to Cambridge. And the vineyard had this tagline. I remember it. I don't know if there's anybody else that remembers this, but there's got to be more, right? There's got to be more. And that, that's what was, that spoke to my heart. It spoke to my heart because it was this thing, well, yeah, there's this longing in my heart. And I would agree with that statement that there's got to be more. That there's got to there's be more. Um, and and, and also, also, there was something within Vineyard that was attractive as well, that was drawing people. And there were people like us who were being drawn to the Vineyard because there was something within. That the Vineyard was tapping into, and that was tapping into this yearning that was in our hearts, right? There was something there. And um, that yearning, one of the things, one of the, one of the identifying things was how it was expressed, this, this need, this, how it was satisfied. It was expressed in songs, and we sang simple love songs to Jesus, that was hugely different because we were coming from churches that we sang about God, but we never sang to Jesus, expressing our love to Jesus. And there was, there was also through artistic expressions, through dance, through banners, through whatever, right? All this that was going on. And what happened in the midst of that as people came together was God pouring his love back out on us. And it was powerful. Our first Sunday that we visited, we hadn't even moved in this church. But we came to this church on Bishop. We were in tears. You go, what the hell was that? (laughs) Like, what's going on here? Right? What's going on? What is it? Because there's nothing. Bishop wasn't fancy or anything. Was stuck in an industrial area, commercial area. Like, what is going on? Like, what is this? And there was something that was speaking to us, right? There was a strong desire with people, with us. We just wanted to be where Jesus was. That's all it was. We just wanted to be where Jesus was, right? We wanted to do what Jesus was doing. We wanted our hearts to break whatever broke Jesus' heart. And so, and we just loved Jesus. And the more Jesus loved back on us, we loved back on Jesus. And there was just this, there's just this hunger that couldn't be satisfied. 
It just couldn't be satisfied. And it was just, it was God to us and us to God and this exchange of love that was just taking place. It was like that whole thing of deep calling to deep, right? And there was just this thing that was going on, but there was such a yearning with people, such a yearning. We, we, we stuck to that tagline that there's got to be more, right? And I know that the power that we were, we were experiencing, now some people were talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that was being poured out. That power was the power of God's love that was being poured out. That I, that I believe, I don't know, I can't prove it. I've got nothing to back it up with. But I believe that's why people shook and fell and everything else because the physical body had no idea how to handle it. We didn't know how to handle it. We didn't know how to deal with that. We had never encountered such love. Never encountered such love before. And it was just powerful. It just wrecked us beautifully. It was a good wrecking, but it just wrecked us, right? And as that love poured out, what you saw was that we knew God was calling us to to give that love away, to pour it out in other things. So you see the expressions in the vineyard. You see, that's why we do urban hope and do beyond that, go out into the community and give things away. Because as God pours God's love on us, we've we got to give it away. It's what you see at the oaks. That's why we do it. There's a why behind why the things we do that we do. And you, and you got to ask, how can the church not pray? How can the church ever, ever not be about prayer? And I'm not talking about prayer meetings and stuff like that. But our times together when we come is a time of prayer, a time of, of just being with God and letting God love on us. you got to have God love on you because if you don't, you're, you go away thirsty, thirsty. And I know I'm going to say some things today they are going to cut a little bit, but that's okay because I got cut first. But I think the reason sometimes people come and people check us out and then leave, like they just they don't stick around for after a few weeks, because I think sometimes, sometimes, so we get sidetracked. Movements get sidetracked. People get side. you know, organizations get sidetracked of what they were first birthed in. And I think some people come because there's this longing in their heart. When it doesn't get filled, they keep on searching. I think part of that is part of the reason why that happens. But I want to say this. If our gatherings are driven by anything other than to meet with our God, if we're not known as friends of God, if we're not known as that, what's the point? Like, seriously, what are we doing? Right? If that is not our main motivation, the main things that drive us, I believe we're missing it then. It's not, a, it's not good enough to, for us to want to come just so we can hang out with our friends and have grab a coffee and chat. It can't be. Because if that's all it is, it's not it. There's an intimate relationship that God longs to have for us. I think Jesus encapsulated that in that parable of the prodigal, what we call the prodigal son. That it's God that's running to us, God longing to have relationship with us. And that if we only just turn, just turn and say, God, here I am. I love you. I love you, God. I love you. I love you, right? Our worship music is never about us. It, never, it better never be. It's always about God, right? 
is not for us. Expressions of worship belong to God alone. Last night, it dawned on me like, there's no such thing as whether worship's good or bad. If you walk out of here, was worship good today? It's not the point. I think the only one who can say whether worship was good is God, I think. Because it's all for God, isn't it? Isn't that why we do it? We do it for, it's our gift to God. When does the giver ever go, well, that was a good gift we gave? We don't. We never do that. And we don't do that with our worship. We don't do that. And the band doesn't play for you, by the way. At least the band better not. You better not play for, for us. We play for Jesus. Because it all, all belongs to Jesus. And I'm serious here, guys. Like I said, if we do this for any other reason, we've missed the point. By the way, all these accessories, all the lights, all the tech stuff, all the property, all the buildings, all that stuff, doesn't matter one iota if we are not gathering except for the one reason, gathering to worship and love Jesus. It means nada. It's nothing. We are not a not-for-profit organization. We are not a charitable organization that gathers around a cause. We are a people that gathers for one reason and one reason only, and that is to love on Jesus, to worship Jesus, the God of the heavens, the God who created. None of these other things matter. That's our one reason we exist. That has to be the only reason we exist. That's it in a nutshell. The person is Jesus. It's Jesus and Jesus and only Jesus. And so when you think about that, it shouldn't matter if we have to meet next week in a drafty old barn. Shouldn't. If we're just about gathering around Jesus, then it doesn't matter if we have to meet in, a, in an old you know, storefront or factory or whatever. We don't care. We shouldn't care. Shouldn't matter. I'm puzzled a little bit when you hear of churches shrinking in size to the point that they can't afford their building and they sell and they disperse. And you got to go, what was that all about then? Because if, if you can't afford the building, and I'm not, I'm not saying we can't afford things, but we're doing just fine. But if you can't afford the, why wouldn't you still meet? Even if you got to meet out in a parking lot for crying out loud. Why wouldn't you do that? Right? Because we, we gather around Jesus. That's why we gather. That's why we exist. That's why we exist. Nothing else. Nothing else. Here's something for you. I no longer believe heaven is a place. I don't. I believe heaven is Jesus. I really do. Honest to God, I believe heaven is Jesus. That wherever Jesus is, I want to be there, and that's heaven. Not a place. It can't be a place. It can't be. It can't be. Because if Jesus isn't there for me, it would be hell. 
I don't want paradise. I don't need streets of gold. I don't need a mansion on a hilltop. What I need is Jesus. And if Jesus is there, it's good. If heaven is the wilderness and Jesus is there, I'm happy. I'm serious. I'm serious. It can't be about a place. It has to be about Jesus. Has to be. Has to be. My times with Jesus, I I think, are a taste of heaven when I have those times. I believe when the church comes together for the one purpose of longing to meet with Jesus, longing to be with Jesus, we get a taste of heaven. But when when we gather for any other reason, for any other motive, it's not heaven. We don't get that taste. That's why we gather. Listen, there was a movement that started to take place in the 70s and into the 80s that would take place. And, I, and hear me, I don't want to go back to the 70s or 80s. I don't want bell bottoms or anything like that, right? I don't want anything like that. Hear me out here. There was something God did in that generation where the one thing they wanted to gather around was Jesus and their love for Jesus that took place, and from that birth, different-sounding messages, different-sounding music, things were starting to flow, and that's where the vineyard movement birthed from. It birthed from that. The songs, the songs echoed that. The reason, I mentioned Keith Green. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but some of his songs were messages. One of his songs, Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. Right? That's what he'd play on his piano. And people were just drawn, just drawn. That's all it was. That's all it was. And the church had a hard time with, with him and people like him. Because the songs didn't have meat. Well, it's not a sandwich for crying out loud. Worshiping Jesus. John Wimber wrote a song. So simple. Isn't he beautiful? Beautiful, isn't he? Prince of Peace, Son of God. It's simple. But it was this, this, this love song to Jesus. Did you know in the seven letters in Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches, not one is about, you didn't do enough for me. Not one. It is about character. There's some addresses about that. But there is one in in the letter to Ephesus. Ephesus, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or one another the way you used to. I had to get back. I had to get back. The beautiful thing about this pandemic, churches had all their stuff stripped away. What's left? Paul Young talks about consuming fire. Don't hear. Not for a second do I believe this is God's judgment on this is stuff that happened, but it's a, it, it has shaken the church and a lot of things have been stripped away. And you have to ask, what's left? 
And I think God's going, to, well, God's going to use it for the good for the church in North America. That there's a wakening up going to take place. That it is taking place. That if this is what you're depending on, your stuff, your programs, your busyness, that can be gone in a heartbeat. But here's the thing. The love for Jesus, gathering around Jesus, nothing can take that away. Nothing. That's why Paul said in Romans, what can separate us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing can separate us from, from God's love. Not a thing. Not a thing. And we, as a church, as a local church, as a movement, my prayer, my prayer, my prayer, my prayer, is that we, as a national church, will get back to that place where Jesus is just the center. That's all we revolve around. That's it. That's it. And I know that sounds, well, all churches are around, around Jesus. I beg to differ. I beg to differ that that's the thing. I beg to differ that what gets in the way is all the, all the busy stuff that I talked about at the beginning that says what we should be doing because we, we're not enough. And Jesus says to us, you are enough. Just come to me. Just come. Look, at, here's the thing. April and I, were when we were teens, we grew up in a church that the youth pastor just took us around, you know, we were, we were bathed, we were so dipped in just the love for Jesus, right? We were dipped in that, and we were part of that whole thing that was just moving within the church. And our youth group was just, it was profound, because we were just soaked in this thing that Jesus, we're so loved by Jesus, and we so loved Jesus back, we were birthed in that. And when you look at our, all of our youth, the people who are part of our youth, called, 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 weird, right? And my prayer for, for, for any youth that are listening, for any of you young adults that are listening, if you can fall in love with Jesus, you will give your life. You'll give your life for that love. You'll give your life for it. What's heaven like? John, who wrote the book of Revelation, gave a beautiful picture of a wonderful prayer meeting that was taking place. It was the consummation, I think. And he writes this in Revelation 5. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels. And oh, I just soak in that word, right, in those two few words. The voices of thousands and millions of angels. That is cosmos language, right? <laughs> Universe language that I love. Then I looked again, I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Just overwhelmed. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth. Do you get that? Do you get that picture? Every creature, spiders, and dolphins, and lions, and tigers. Oh my, right? Everything praising and singing. What did they sing? Hold on. 
blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings, which are when you, in chapter 4, describes those things, and they're different. And they, it says, they said, Amen. <laughs> and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. What is it about? Jesus. That's what it's about. That's why Paul said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord of God, right? Because all of creation will bow before Jesus. Father God, I just pray right now. I pray for us. I pray for the church in North America. I pray, Father, that we won't lose our way. That, Lord, we'll remember there's only one thing and one thing only. And that we are to be known as friends of God. We go by the name of Christian, which means little Christ. And so, Lord, as we go about our day-to-day lives, may we be little Jesuses going all over the place that people see you wherever we go. And Lord, we want to embody that. And Father, I, I pray, Lord, we use that word in the English, repent, but Lord, I just pray that there would be a turning towards you, a turning away from our scrambling and, and listening to these the, the culture words of to do more, that you're, you're not enough, you have to be greater and bigger, and, and all this stuff that we buy into, so Father I just pray would you break our hearts God with the things that break yours would you break our hearts Father whatever we got to change Lord let, let us be willing to sell it all to have you let us be like Mary who would just just waste a whole who knows how much worth of perfume on you and just blow it all. Lord, would you take us to that place, to that point? We recognize all this stuff. It's just stuff. Without you, it's nothing. It's nothing. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for our leaders in this local church here. And I pray for all the leaders in all the churches in the city of Cambridge. Lord, break our hearts. Bring us to a place, Lord, where we go. It has to be just about you. It has to be about you. It can't be about anything else. can't be. So, Father, we just say, come. We want you, Father. We agree with Paul when he said, if I have every gift but don't love, I have nothing. If I give everything away, but I don't love, I have nothing. I'm nothing. Lord, we're only something when we worship. We are created in your image, Lord. We're made for you, and Lord, you love us, and we thank you for that. We want to love you back with everything, all of our being, everything that is in us, everything. In my, just in my readings today, Today went to Psalm 84. It was just Psalm 84, whatever that was going to be. And you always, it's risky with the Psalms because sometimes it's an angry poet that's written it. But Psalm 84 was, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies! 
I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. That longing, God, put the longing in us. So that when we gather together, Lord, our only goal, our only aim is to, is to encounter you. Nothing more. That we are a people that gather because we are hungry for your love for us. We are hungry, Lord. We can't move without it. We can't do anything we want to do without it. And so, God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that we as a people will be that. That we will be like what David wrote in the Psalm 42 that, you know, his heart longs for you as a deer longs for the water. God, we just, would you come? Would you come for those who are watching online, Lord? Just come in their homes. Come in their bathrooms, would you? Come in their showers. <laughs> just come in their showers, Lord. Just, just pour out on them. Lord, give us a passionate love for you. Help us, God. Help us. Help us, Father. Christ, just lead us.